Welcome to this week's episode of the Gestalten Podcast presented to you by Concept House Innovation Consultancy, your latest partner when it comes to process optimization in design studio, skill and management training with our academy services, as well as our latest dynamic service approach. So go check it out on concepthouse-ic.com. And back to our main topic, which is this episode of the Gestalten Podcast. This week's guest is Joe Stenoid, who is the design director for Mazda in Europe, based in uh, Frankfurt or very close to Frankfurt. And I had the lovely pleasure to have about an hour's conversation with him about brand and strategic design. And of course, he told us a little bit more about how it is to work with Japan in an exchange, the importance of the studio here in Europe and how they can make it work so that uh, they really make a global product. So enjoy the conversation that I had with uh, with Joe. And uh, as always, do not forget to follow us on social media. Leave us a five-star rating if you listen to us on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us from any other channel and there is a rating system, give us the highest rating. Thanks a lot. And uh, let's get cracking on with the conversation with Joe. Yo, welcome to the show, and I hope you're doing well, and thanks for taking the time to speaking with me. Hi, Martin. Pleasure to talk to you, and yes, I'm doing well. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, I've asked you about a very special topic today. We are talking about uh, brand strategy and branding within the design department. And obviously, before you moved into your new role as design director for Mazda in Europe, you have worked very extensively with interior design as well as with brand design. So who better than talk to about this than you? And jumping straight right into this, my question to you would be, how would you personally define for the listeners that only, or like not only, but work in exterior, interior, color and trim, uh, modeling, all those kind of things, what's brand design for you and why is it so important in this current kind of culture and moving forward into the, the future? Well, I think through my experience, I learned that basically the brand is is the bigger picture and car design is is part of of building up the brand but there's so many more aspects to the brand than just the the design of the car so when when i designed an interior uh before um of course i would design it for a master so there was some kind of definition of what people would expect from a master uh, but now we we look also at all the other aspects, not just the car design, but also you know, the way people perceive the brand through all the channels, basically. So it's the, it's the bigger picture for me. It's the bigger picture. And how do you define that bigger picture? I mean, that's not just coming through sketching. This means you have to have a much wider understanding, not just from a creative perspective, but also from a business perspective and also an overall company perspective, I would imagine. Well, I mean, I, I always imagine myself being a customer and, and seeing the brand. I mean, I know my brand inside out, but I know that, let's say, normal customers might not know it or only 
see my brand every now and then. So I need to make sure um, if I work on a brand that uh, every person perceives us in the same or a similar way. I mean, like, you know, there's there's so much praise for what Mazda have achieved over the past five, ten years, um, I would say. And a lot has to do with the design language and appearance. But the, when I look into the, the brand, there was this massive development, not just from the product itself, but how it represents. So putting myself into your shoes, when you know, like you start off with this, this new direction, new communication, new, you know, just new tasks on your day-to-day level. How how does this affect you? I mean, like when, when you moved into this brand strategy um, a few years ago, what, what, what did you expect of yourself? Because that's obviously very difficult to be tangible. Like, yeah, do some brand strategy. It's not just about doing a grill. How, how, how did you make that tangible for yourself as a job, but also for your colleagues, for your superiors, as well as then for the clients in the end? Um, I mean, I to me, it almost came naturally because I've always been uh, looking at brands before, uh, even as a car designer. Um, but what I learned is that, you know, to, to communicate what you want towards internally to your managers or externally to a marketing department or uh, agencies is that fact that you have to be very clear and very understandable what you want to achieve with the brand. And you also need to be very, in a sense, very ambitious and very structured and very consistent. Um, and if you do that, it, would, it doesn't matter what the brand is, the people will understand what you're aiming for and they will start following you. Was that a particular challenge to push for something like that with the Japanese company? I mean, you know, Europeans, Asians, Americans, they, they tick very differently. So you as a European with a Japanese company, was there any particular hurdles or challenges that you, that you can share? Mm, basically, no, because like what we do with car design, I think is very global very understandable in a global market. And we wanted to suit to the same with um, the brand and the brand development. The only thing, of course, you see that there are differences in perception in the different regions. Like if, if we work on a TV commercial, the, the way you do it in America or in Japan or in Europe is different, but you can use the same brand values. You just, you might have different kind of music or different kind of rhythm. Um, but the the overall message should be the same. How does I mean what you just described is so many new input into your day to day life. I mean you know agencies, marketing, a lot of these things are, or like you know a lot of these people are people that the usual just sketchy car designer doesn't doesn't want to really hang out with. So how how was that for you? going into that kind of role, understanding from their perspective as well what they want, and then uh, you know push them from your creative perspective, from you know the creation of the car, then going into marketing, representation, and so on? Well, I mean, they in the beginning, they thought that 
if we talk about marketing, they thought that we're going to take over marketing, which is, you know, not not the case, not at all. Um, and it, it took me years to slowly build up uh, confidence because in the beginning we were we were the car designers that want to do marketing, um, which wasn't the case. Um, but so slowly through projects with marketing and agencies, we slowly built up confidence. And we even got to a point where when we're doing a marketing campaign, uh, the brand style team uh, in near Frankfurt is completely involved from the beginning to the end, from the first um, campaign concepts until the actual shoot and the, and the post-production. So we really had to grow the confidence within the company and making them understand that we don't want to take over. We just want to guide and improve and make sure that the the way we portray the brand is, for instance, also in line with how we design cars. So that the whole package is is harmonious. How do you communicate that to people that are not car designers, people that usually work very logically based on statistics, based on trend research and so on and so on. And you from a from a from a creative perspective is oftentimes I don't want to say chaotic because that's the wrong word, but it's not as regulated. And how did you how did you adapt and how did they adapt to that entire process? Um I it, it was also not so easy. But I mean um Can you repeat the question? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, when you what you just described as you know working with marketing, gaining their trust, being very early in these projects, like you know, literally from the first day onwards, how do you, as a person, you know, just understand their process? You know, get to know their process, but also show, look, this is how we do things. This is how car design works. And maybe it helps if we put our processes together and both learn from them because especially marketing people like non-design people, they're oftentimes very structured. They're oftentimes, you know, working based on stats. Car design oftentimes is not like that. It's maybe to do with milestones, but it's not as regulated. So how do you, in your communications perspective from design to marketing to other departments agencies as well you know explain to them this 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 process that's happening uh, that you want to run and that you think is the best and the most creative one is also profitable for them or something that they can learn from um i mean first of all in the beginning um we were let's say watching and 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 learning uh, their processes um, what was difficult for me was, um, you know, at Mazda, we don't do clinics for car design anymore since 10 years, and it seems to work. So, you know, we have the feeling we're doing the right thing. Whereas in, in marketing for campaigns, they still do a lot of research, and that, that kind of upset me a bit, or it was really hard to understand. But, you know, being completely involved in the process, you start to understand how they work and then slowly you can introduce, um, let's call them design processes to push for um, my intentions, like, you know, portraying the car in a better way or, you know, making sure that uh, they portray the brand as as, as we want it as designers. Um 
And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a really long process. And um, we are at the point where we are talking about changing processes. And it's not just because of us, but because also the, the circumstances of, you know, having to work more efficient with less budget, with less time. And, and I think there, um, the fact that we are the creatives of the company, we can have a lot of influence on, on process. It's interesting that you just mentioned the idea of, you know, lower budgets, like, you know, have to be more efficient. In, in the time where you were working as, you know, brand strategy um, and now moved into the director position for the entire studio, have you seen that your colleagues have started thinking differently about it as well, about, you know, transportation design as a whole? Do they, when you, when they have more to do with the brand itself, do they, do they understand also that their work has maybe a, a different purpose? It's not just another car, but it's something that is that is bigger than just a product. In in my team, we still have, let's say, the car designers and the and the brand style people. Um, but what I want to do is is melt them together, and we're basically doing that already because we we do have a lot of discussions about the brand. You know, if if you talk about what you want to reach with car design, you automatically talk about what you want to achieve with the brand, how you want people to perceive the brand and your cars. So I think it, it's almost uh, a natural thing that's happening at the moment. Um, you know, having the people from color and material, interior, exterior, and brand style slowly kind of melting, melting together and always delivering kind of one message, be it with materials, be it with an exterior design or being with, a, with an advert. Does this mean we slowly will get into a multi-usage designer? So somebody who's doing, you know, brand design, exterior, interior, color and trim. Of course, you will have these guys that are, you know, very specialized and then have a, a massive talent that will be working on one area. But is is the future people that you can use for exterior, interior and brand? Or do you still think that the specialists will be in you know, in, 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 in a bigger group of people, more what the future will look like in terms of a design department. Yeah, the way I'm trying to set up my studio is is exactly this. You know, we um, we do have specialists, but because the reason is also because we're f relatively small, only 20 people, we have to be able to do everything, but everybody has their own speciality. And if you bring everybody together as a group, that's when the magic happens when 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 you know that everybody understands each other knows a bit about brand knows a bit about exterior and knows a bit about interior but has you know a key speciality if you put that all together it's 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 fantastic you know and i prefer that than having you know super specialists and within a small team little departments that don't communicate with each other that to me doesn't work it might be because of my background or studying as a product designer um, you always have to have, you know, knowledge about what other people are doing within within the process. So, yeah. So let me let me let me give you this little thought exercise. Um, if I were to tell you now, okay, so you have to you have to build the te the team from scratch. Yeah, like let's say you just come to Mazda, all the experience that you've had, and you build the team from scratch. Um, how would you build that? Would you would you, from your perspective, say, oh, I need 
a, f- a few really good sketchers. I need some good people. I need people that can build cars as well. Um, or would you actually come in more from the product industrial design perspective and say, like, I need all rounders uh, first and foremost, and the specialists are really just the, the, the cherry on top of the cake? I would go for people with different backgrounds. You know, not not focus on getting pure car designers, but maybe even have people that come from an engineering background but turn into car designers or people from a graphics background. Um, I think what enriches my studio is that most of the people are, let's call them, not the pure car designers. You know, they've done other stuff or they studied other things that, you know, benefit you know, they might not all be the best sketches in the world, but car design is not just about sketching, it's about being able to develop a, a product. And therefore, I think you need people, a good mixture of people with different backgrounds to enrich each, each other, basically. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, combining that, I mean, this is this is really what design is all about. Yeah, it's not just about styling. We're talking about design as a whole and it needs to be functional and it needs to be feasible and needs to be producible um and obviously the same goes in the end for uh for for brand design in that sense as well um what is interesting in your situation you're obviously based in uh Oberursel, which is close to frankfurt and you're working for a japanese company but your main base is in germany so does that help you if you know your bosses from japan come up to you and say yo yo um i want you to you know work something out for the brand and, you know, build something on this. Of course, there's a, a collaboration between uh, you, the Japanese studio, and I would also assume the uh, North America studio. But is it actually easier for you to develop something for the brand because you're not in Japan, that you have a certain kind of distance? Or is that sometimes a little bit tricky so that the guys in Japan say, oh, you know, here comes the European guy doesn't understand Japanese culture? I think I think we don't necessarily want to portray our brand as a pure Japanese brand, more like a a global brand with Japanese roots. And I think what the Japanese really appreciate is is the way in Europe brands have, and especially premium brands, have been building up over the years. And I think they really want to learn from that. In in the past, uh, very often Japanese brands would. Uh, for Europeans, they were, would be relatively difficult to understand because they tend to to change, um, maybe not their focus, but the way they visualize their brand. Or sometimes it would be too overpowering. So I think what what the team in Japan does is is really try to learn from from the European way of building up brands. So so it for me, it's good to be here. And then, you know, to, to live in Europe and to be a European sponge that then, you know, brings all that experience to, to Japan. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, in terms of branding itself and like the connection of, of the cultures. And when I was in Japan for the first time, I was almost blown away by, you know, the technology being available, like how advanced it is and stuff like that. From your perspective now, from a branding perspective, isn't that... How does this affect you? Are you going away and understanding the brand, you know, based on products? Do you look into a more digital world nowadays? Do you think that, you know, what happens on a screen, maybe in a car is in the future more brand relevant than the car itself? Or how how do you personally position yourself in this current transition that we that we have going on? Um, 
I mean, we, we do understand that whatever you do within the car, be it graphics or interface, but also um, the fact that more and more people will um, see and experience your brand only digital um, is slowly changing everything. You know, we, we are looking more at uh, digital-first uh, campaigns. Uh, we just launched, uh, in a sense, a digital show car, which is the um, the PlayStation. Is it PlayStation? Yeah, the, the Gran Turismo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, and everybody has seen it, but not in real. So that works as well. So we, we're slowly kind of moving in, or thinking at least, in ideas of, you know, how can you reach people in a less physical way and just a digital way? Because to be honest, a lot of people see cars or concepts only on the internet. Of course, the real car is always better. But I think um, the reach is is so much more digital these days that we really have to rethink. Let me take that thought a little bit further because you've probably seen this as well. There's serious threat to the Geneva Motor Show 2021 uh, at this moment in time. It's very, you know, it's just not sure that it will go ahead. And there's this conversation going on of a lot of companies just like oh you know we do our own events we do i think bmw did a an online only reveal of a car mercedes just done, did something similar now you come very much from the physical world with the cars and we've just talked about you know moving towards a digital world what is your opinion on that do you think that not having car shows is you know, is, is going to be a challenge in the future? Do you think maybe the money can be spent in a better way, for example, on projects such as the Gran Turismo car? Or what kind of impact is it going to have on the brand if there's no physical presence or like very little physical presence in terms of car shows potentially in the future? I, th I think car shows um, have this strong attention-grabbing effect. But I think they're probably more there for customers. When I, when I don't talk about the Geneva Motor Show, I think it's a bit of an exception. When I think, for instance, of a Brussels Motor Show, the Brussels Motor Show is there for the, for the customers, basically, because they have a lot of choice. They can walk around, see the real cars, uh, discuss price between different brands. So there I see, I see a string, strong need for uh, motor shows. Um, But otherwise, to, to present a car, you know, if, if you do it in your own environment, you can, let's call it, control the brand and the environment much better. You're less restricted to the, let's call them, regulations of a motor show. But you can do something a bit more special. Is, what's the solution to that? Do you think um, in terms of a brand recognition, maybe something like CES is more interesting, is where you're mixing more with with other technologies and other brands that are maybe in the mobility sector, but could also be in a non-mobility sector? Or is it really the future just to say, like, you know, we we, 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 we build ourselves uh, our own little booth or presentation space in the future and and then invite the people to, to have exclusive access to this? Uh, it's, I guess it's a mixer. I think for me, Goodwood is always uh, yeah. a good example, you know, of, of, because it's it's... It's an experience. It's somewhere you go as a car nut, you go there and, and look at, you know, so many different aspects of, of car and car design. But you can go there with a the whole family, you can picnic, it's it's a complete experience. Um and to be honest, to go to a motor show, um 
especially on, on public days, I, I I don't see it as a as a as a nice experience. It it can be really stressful. You know, it's, there's lots of people. You hardly see the cars. So um, yeah, I, I see. For me personally, more future in in uh, a more controlled environment where you can really present cars in a more beautiful way. Yeah, a yeah, Goodwood is a great example. I mean, it, it it's combined with also the experience of uh, of driving. And I remember was it last year or like two years ago when they had the Robo Race car driving up Goodwood Hill as well, and kind of combined this new technology, you know, autonomous driving with. You know, I think I don't know, like you know, a, a DB4 GT Zagato, you know, going up straight after. So it's like the new world and the old world coming together, and uh, it's it's almost more like a Disneyland in that regard. You know, you can you can have different things here, different experiences there, but it's still something where the whole family can go to. And and I do agree on the motor shows. I think it's become a little bit too stale, um, especially on public days. I mean, we've always been fortunate enough to go on press days. Um, and and really sit in the cars and have a very close look at it. But when you go on a public day, there's very little touch point uh, towards that. And then if you take a picture and you look at it after, well, then you can do that online. But but also, you, as you said in Goodwood, the cars move, you know, and that's something you don't have on a on a motor show. And it's also, I mean, I think slowly other industries are also developing new ways of, of getting to their customers. For instance, when I bought my electric bike, I, I found one from Belgium. Of course, there's no shops in Germany. So what they do is they they um, give you the contact of a person that already has a bike, and that person comes, shows the bike. Um, you talk to the guy. You, you can ride the bike. And you're not talking to a salesperson, you're talking to a person who already had the experience with it. And you don't have dealerships, it didn't have a motor show. It, it, it's just a completely different way of reaching customers and, and selling product, which I thought was very interesting. It's interesting that you say this. Where do you keep or where do you get your inspiration on? We're not talking about like, you know, the exterior, interior of a car now, but like in terms of brand strategy, in terms of brand experience brand interaction where do you where do you take your your in you know your your inspiration from is it from experience that you just described with the bike company is it by you know looking into completely different industries and see what they're doing or where where, where does it come from well if, if you purely talk about the way mazda wants to portray itself as a brand we look very much at our history and the fact that we do come from japan Without shouting, you know, we're from Japan, but we, we, we go very deep in the Japanese philosophy or craftsmanship or even language and try to get uh, really interesting, beautiful uh, elements out of this. Um, so we, we tend to look more inwards than, than outwards when, it, when it's purely about the brand. When it comes about evolving into a digital world, we, we do have to look at... Um, the outside world because to be honest we don't have so much experience with it and as you know the car industry is a bit slower than than you know a, a bike um uh company that just started you know um it, it's a bit more complicated than than selling a couple of bikes so what's what's a good example for you at the moment of a company that 
that really inspires you, especially on the digital space? Um, you know, something where you're really impressed and where you would say, oh, I would love to have that in the car industry and not just, you know, within Mazda, but in general. Well, I mean, to, just to mention the the bike that I bought is called Cowboy and they're from, from Belgium. I think the way they presented themselves in a super simple way. Also, they only have one product, so you don't have to... You, you don't have to make a choice. It's just one product. And the product is really simple. Um, you know, there's there's no gears. So it's the whole thing is so super pure. And also the way they interact with the customers, it's, it's just a bit more modern than having to go to a car dealership when you buy a car. It's, yeah, that's, that's for me a really good example. Of course, there's a couple of examples in the car industry as well, which I won't mention. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, this... The, there's more, let's say, young startup companies that, that give the examples of, of how we can um, develop also more in a digital mm -hmm. in a digital way. If we think a little bit further, and I want to challenge you a little bit on this one. Of course, we, we live in an environment nowadays where the idea of a brand is becoming increasingly important, um, especially when it comes to mobility. I'm, I'm thinking about Uber. Um, I'm thinking about Lyft. I'm thinking about mobility services in in general. How do you think will the car industry have to adapt to that also in terms of branding so that, let's say, you know, a, a Mazda could also you know, offer a, you know, like a, uh, you know, mobility service like an Uber or something like that, so that it's not just becoming a provider of the hardware in that sense. Uh, to, you know, give a little bit of an example, um, of course, the, you know, the canoe uh, system that was uh, revealed, you know, some time ago is based on exactly that kind of thought. It's like we give you the hardware and then, you know, do do whatever you want with it pretty much. Um, I, I know after speaking with a lot of executives in the car industry, They, there are some companies that want to push for that, and some other companies just like, no, I'm okay with being, you know, just a just the hardware. What do you think? And this doesn't necessarily need to be in in in, in Mazda terms, of course. But what do you think the car industry needs to do to not lose that kind of competition at the moment against companies that are, you know, not hardware producers? Well, I think, um, you know, the car. At the moment, still is 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 probably the the second most expensive product that you buy in your life, and and during this Corona crisis, having my car outside for eight weeks not being used, you know, it really questions. I really questioned it sometimes. Like, you know, this is a I don't know forty fifty thousand euro car or product, and I'm hardly using it. So I think we have to find new ways where people can use our product being cars in a more efficient way. Um, I think there's more and more, especially young people will tend not to buy, but rather lease and have somebody take care of all the problems, like just like they do with the phones. So I think as, as a car company, you slowly have to think that way. You know, you, you're not going to sell uh, your product anymore, you, but you might rent it out or you know and and give the service on top or um give the people also the chance to maybe drive different cars from your range and not just have to fix you know that the choice on on one specific model so i think in that way 
um, for us, it will the market will slowly change. Will it also change in how you do your work? I mean, like in your position, if let's say this would happen, and you know you will you will have to adapt. Would you would you say your designers like okay, we need to be thinking in a completely different way nowadays? It's not just about beautiful surfacing; it's about pragmatism. Uh, in that sense, almost a little bit, you know, let's follow what Dieter Rams has, um, you know, has given us in that kind of sense. And the whole design will be a bit more pragmatic and it will be laid out for a completely different environment. We will see a shift that materials are becoming more important with, you know, this 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 virus situation at the moment, of course, um, medical, well, like, you know, almost medical surfaces become important so that they, you know, that they don't carry any, um, you know, any illnesses and stuff. How how do you think the the design job will change through that kind of mindset? Like, and also, you know, how much impact will it have on the actual brand? Is the product going to be as important in the future as it is right now? It's it, it can go two ways. I mean, it could be as you said that people will think really pragmatic um, about a car, um, but it could also go a completely different way where they think, okay. Um, Maybe I do more home office and, and therefore I use my car less. But when I use my car, I can enjoy it more. So I, I maybe buy a car that's maybe less pragmatic but more fun. So I, th I think it can go, go two ways. I hope it's not going the completely pragmatic way without emotions and just, you know, a product that only shows fear or, you know, it, 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 to me, a, a car should still be a product that, that, um, you know, you want, want to use and not have to use. Um, so I, I hope it goes more in, in the direction that people think if I have to use a car, I, I want to use a car. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I want to, I want to move into something that I personally found extremely exciting, and uh, you know, we as a company, we've done a we've done a creative challenge on it some time ago. Um, I want to talk quickly about KCars um, as well, because for me, um, in terms of a branding situation, when I was in Japan, the KCars were almost the most exciting ones there, <laughs> because it's something that for us as a European person. Uh, not being used to them is uh, is fairly exciting because they're so compact. They have certain kind of regulations now. In you know, in, as the cities are getting bigger and bigger, and I mean, you know, this from Frankfurt. You know, like uh, it's very international. It's it's a big city. There's a lot of people there. We look at Berlin. We look at um, we look at uh, London, Paris. You know, you name it. Do you think that K cars? could also become a brand statement for sustainability, for, you know, new mobility, like all these, you know, maybe also autonomy and all in, in, in that kind of context for the European mega cities or large cities, because that's something that I've never quite understood is that these small cars, apart from the smart, uh, have really managed to go into the cities in Japan. It's almost on a day-to-day -day level, uh, obviously considering that there's space issues and you know there, there, there's tax incentives of driving these cars. But it almost seems logical that at some point, um, and also from a, from a positioning of a brand, the K cars should come over to Europe. Yeah, and I mean, I lived in Japan as well, and my wife had a K car, and it was so much fun. And you're right. I mean, this it almost looks like most of the creativity in Japan is put into the K cars, and that's probably because because of the limitations of size. So that they have to all work uh, with the same 
rules, but they all try to make something extremely funny out of it. And um, I loved driving it, although it wasn't the best car to drive, but I had a, a bench seat in the front and the gears were at the, at the on the steering column. So yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised that these cars don't get to Europe because I also think they would fit perfectly. They could also, I think in Japan, they, the you could really find a K car that fits your personality. You know, there's so many characters of K cars. Um, but I think it's maybe it's just an economical thing, you know, because small cars uh, have to abide to the same rules as big cars, so all the safety systems uh, become really expensive. Uh, but apart from that, I think, to me, K cars should be in Europe as well. They're 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 just they're just fun and and cool and and small, yeah. And and I guess more than enough for most people in you know as as a as a car. And 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 this is always what I was thinking, you know, with with the smart, um, which was I would say like the only European K car in in, in that kind of context. Uh, for most people was enough. I mean, you know, they had these presentations, you can put a crate of water or beer or whatever in it, you can do your weekly shopping and everything. But I still find it strange that um, there was never really an attempt. I think Daihatsu was a company that tried to bring these smaller-ish cars uh, to Germany quite a bit. But um, it, it, it always seemed a little bit for me, either they were too afraid of um, mixing their branding in yeah, so just to say, like, oh, maybe we should do a sub brand or something like that, um, or they were too afraid that the the Europeans and uh, obviously the Americans is a different story, but let's put it on the Europeans were just a little bit too afraid of it. I think you know um, an engineering solution could have been found, maybe even with you know these in, in France they have these Ixam cars uh, which are limited to a certain amount of uh, speed. I think which for the city is perfectly fine as well, but um, it seemed more of a, a marketing decision not to do it rather than, uh, let's say, an engineering decision. Um, I'm not quite sure what your experience is with that, but I, I, I'm pretty sure if you would ask any designer here in Europe to design a K-car, they would uh, they would jump in the air and be the happiest person in the world. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good exercise to to do something personal in a, in a in very limited space. Um, but again, I think if if... Uh, we move to an, a, a space where people uh, want to have more positive cars, and a K car to me would 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 be you know a very good example. But yeah, the, I mean K cars for me. I'm I'm looking at a K car at the moment. Actually, I've got a, a small scale model of a of a K car in my in my studio, um, and yeah, I've got really good memories about it. And it's, I yeah. We we discussed it within Mazda. We don't have our own K cars. We have rebadged, I think, Suzuki's. And it was always explained to me as an economical thing that we can't do it in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's a shame because that's the kind of fun car that we need at the moment, I think. And also, but it's it's again, you know, people not all buying smarts is is this fear of having to buy that one car that can do everything. Whereas if if we move into a world where uh, maybe you can have uh, different cars at different moments when you need them, then hopefully people will also think of more more, more fun cars when they have to drive or when they want to drive. Talking about fun cars, um, let's talk quickly about the MX-5 because uh, that's probably one of the most fun cars to drive on a 
on a budget. Um, I've had I've had great experiences with that car. I had one in California driving up Highway One. Uh, the fantastic experience, roof down. Uh, you know, it was a manual one as well, which was fantastic. Now, how do you, and not from a like a purely exterior perspective on this, but from when you when you think about the branding perspective, when you think about the the, the brand Mazda as a whole, and then you know the the fellowship that the brand has because of the MX Five, how do you, you know, go on? you know, the very early phase where you define that kind of car? Like, you know, what are you looking at? Are you just looking into customers that you've used before or like that bought the car before, what the car was, as you explained before, with the heritage? Or are you also looking into like, you know, we as a brand, like how what do we want to stand for? I mean, this is, you know, uh, a very young car. It's also absolutely beloved by by women, which I think is uh, an outstanding fact for this whole thing. So if you... If if I were to go to you and say like we we do a new MX five and but let's define it from a branding perspective, what are the challenges that you come up with uh, with with fun cars like that, but also these big sellers? Well, the 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 big fun part of the MX five, as you said, is the driving. So if we design an MX five, it's all about the driving, and and the way we've done it. Of course, on the outside you can see. It's very dynamic and it looks very sporty. It looks beautiful. You can see it. It 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 moves. It can move fast and it can take you through the corner, um, you know, with lots of fun. Uh, but also on the interior, the way we've done it is like connecting the door panel with the with the front fender. You know, we we didn't really look at a certain customer. We just thought of, you know, what is the 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 biggest fun experience you can have with this car, um, you know, and that that even meant thinking of weight and um, reducing uh, design weight as well, but also physical weight. Uh, working with smaller engines, working with a smaller package, um, and and really, you know, concentrating on the driving. And that I think, especially for the MX-5, is basically the brand of the MX-5. Um, if you look at what Mazda is doing in general, it, it every car that we do has a bit of MX-5 in it. You know, we we again on the on the interior, we focus on the driver, we focus on the driving, we focus on the fact that um, you can actually feel that you're in control. And in design, we we do that by putting all the elements in the right position. Uh, and on the exterior. I find we've always been honest by designing an exterior that gives you a certain that gives our customer a certain promise and but we're also sure that we can deliver on that promise being it's a beautiful car it looks like it's fun to drive and it actually is and that's I think if you really look at at the the core of the brand that's probably it the way we interpret that into Cordo design is is then the design philosophy which hangs on this on this brand yeah and uh, yeah that's that's the feeling that i that i get from it you know is this it's still a very drivable um direction of terms of design as well i mean it's you know if you take other companies for example that are very screen based that want to take almost like the wheel away from you it it seems that um you know, Mazda says, no, we want you to drive. We want you to enjoy this kind of feeling rather than, oh, you know, here's a hundred million things to do. Um, it's 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 a little bit of less is more. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's about focus. You know, we don't want to, um, when you talk about screens, we want you to focus on the driving. So we're not going to overload you with, with information and screens. But also when you look at the design, especially exterior design, we keep it really pure. And if you do that, then um, people will start focusing on uh, the details maybe a bit more than, and it's, it's, it all hangs together. Our idea of, as you said, less is more, but in a very emotional way, um, has been a very um, interesting process for us as well. You know, getting away from overloading a car with information or design elements um, was, was not so easy for us. You know, know, knowing when to stop is much more difficult than overloading a car with elements. Yeah. And how was this decision made? I mean, I if we go back to this idea of a grander strategy, I mean, this is not a decision that you make, uh, you know, for one car. I mean, usually this is a decision where you say, like, look, we, we go that far. That's what we want to have in. But, it, you know, the, the rest is maybe for higher levels or something like that. But the general kind of car should still be um, appealing and it should be still a driver's car. How, <laughs> how, how, how big was the argument internally to, to get to that point? <laughs> um, I think it wasn't so much argument. It was really a, a, a looking for almost the impossible, you know, telling ourselves um, like when we, when the RX uh, vision came out, um, the idea behind that was doing something that doesn't exist yet, which when we got that message from our chief designer in, in Japan, Maeda-san, we were thinking, but everything's been done before. And, you know, having that goal of trying to do something that's never been done before really pushed us in a direction where we at first were very uncomfortable but then slowly, you know, through the whole process and the clay and the painting of the car, we suddenly realized, wow, we did achieve something that hasn't been done before. And, and yeah, that's, that's then incredible when, when you get then the reactions from the people as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a constant process and it's something that we're almost doing on a daily basis. It's 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 really tough because in the sense we're always questioning ourselves. Yeah. Last but not least, um, before we get to the three questions everybody gets, um, how physical are you still working? I mean, there's obviously videos around that that Mazda is still a very, you know, very heavy on clay and you know likes to explore with clay as well. Um, where where do you see moving everything? you know, move towards, especially with budget cuts on, on departments and stuff like that? Will, will you continue to do, to use as much clay as you maybe do still now, or will it be more digital in the future? Well, I mean, yes, we're still doing a lot of clay, but we do see a change. We, we are experimenting um, in digital to see, you know, can we translate the clay into digital? Uh, until now it's been rather difficult and, and, we thought not not really to our satisfaction. Um, but I think with the corona has been kind of been catapulting us into the future. Um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, if you work on clay, you have to stand close to each other. Uh, you know, designer and modeler stand close to each other. Uh, there's too much physical contact. So we have to find different ways of working. Uh, but for us still, clay at the moment is is a very tactile thing 
And I think what we've been designing in the last 10 years is a result of, of being very tactile. Um, we've, we've seen digital modelers who've been able to recreate what we do, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a slow process. What's the biggest challenge of it to not move, let's say, into, into a, a, a digital-led process? What's the biggest challenge for you? Um, I guess it's, it's to me, what, what disturbs me very often with digital, it's, it's in a computer. It's, it's not visible for most of the times. You know, and to me, design is about communicating. And if, if you have a, a lump of clay in the middle of a room, it's kind of easier to talk about it than, you know, when you have to open a file, which is in a locked computer, which, you know, can only be handled by certain people. It's, it's different. So if we find ways that we can communicate and discuss about design in the same way as, as when we do when we talk about physical thing, then, then maybe there's a chance. But when it comes down to the end, when you develop materials, of course, that to me is, is, is purely digital. Because in the end, you know, coming back to motor shows, what happens on motor shows, people open the door, sit in the car and start touching everything. So, you know, that's something that digitally is, is difficult to, to copy. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much for taking the time. But before I let you go, as promised, three questions. <laughs> two of them two of them are very uh design generic uh to put it that way so you don't have to answer them in a, in a in a purely car perspective you can of course if you would like to uh the third one is very much car based yeah so i, I pre-warn you okay. about this already now uh question number one which project that you have not worked on you would have been absolutely loved to be a part of Whoa. Are you, you just talked design in general, no? Anything you want. Yeah. I I think I'm going to change the question a bit. <laughs> I think I'm I'm going to change the question to in which design studio would you which design studio would you have liked to be um you know when a certain product was developed. Because to me it's more the people than product so As you might know, I'm a big Dieter Rams fan. So if if I could have been in his studio working with him, that would have been uh, amazing. And any of the product he designed, you know, it's still it's still um, amazing. Yeah, fantastic. Number two, which designer that you have or have not worked with has inspired you the most in your career? Again, you cannot pinpoint it to one. I mean, Dieter Rams is one, but. Um, it also depends on the stage in my life. I, I had, a, um, I remember when I started product design, it was Philip Stark because he brought a bit of kind of fun into products. You know, where Dieter Rams is very mathematical, um, Philip Stark was a bit more fun and and uh, was exploring a bit more in form and materials. Um, yeah, that would be. Um, Steve Jobs and um, what's his name? Johnny, Johnny Ive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, related to what Dieter Rams has done, but the way they developed, not necessarily design, but products, you know, completely rethink of, of how you build a laptop and, and how you produce it, going, going really, making big steps. 
which at the moment sadly is, is missing. All right. Number three, this is the car question. If I give you a blank check, what car would you buy? <laughs> you know, I'm, I've never been a, a supercar fan, so I wouldn't buy a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Um, I think I'd buy a collection of cars, not just one car. Because, again, for every moment, I wanted to have a different car. Yeah, I have a small car collection already. So, but I mean, on my list is still a Mazda Cosmo or a um, a 2000 GT Toyota, or you know that that kind of um, cars that are just way too expensive. Yeah, so that would be on my list, I guess. And I tend to buy also cars that make people smile when when you drive them, like an MX-5 or. Yeah. I've got an old bus or, you know, and, and it just, the reactions you get from the people is, is mainly positive. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what I like. Lovely. So that's yeah, a... you can send the check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll need to work a little bit more before I can do that. Okay. But... <laughs> that's uh, that's fine. Thank you very much. I do really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy day, of course, um, to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoy the uh, the conversation with you and of course um you know, we will you know include you into the show notes so that people can find you on linkedin can uh, also get in contact with you if they you know want to want to chat with you and um yeah beyond that uh, to all of our listeners please as always if you like this episode give us five stars on itunes on uh, you know spotify wherever you're listening to us helps us to get a bit more traction in the entire scene and of course um, you will hear back from us in about a couple of weeks time with the next episode of the gestalten podcast until then goodbye <laughs>